Hi, the Legal Eagles over at Shout Factory would like us to point out that this radio play doesn't represent Mystery Science Theater, Shout Factory, or Alterniversal. It's an unofficial fan production, and we hope you enjoy it. This radio play is for mature audiences only. It contains adult language and situations. The views and opinions expressed in this play are solely those of the authors and do not reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, organization, employer, or company. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Rob. And I'm Ron. And welcome to the Revival League Podcast. We're coming to you from the Roof Lizard Lounge, high atop the Dino Hotel in beautiful Lakewood, Colorado, just 10 minutes away from Red Rocks Amphitheater and the beautiful Rocky Mountains. And it's a very special episode because today we celebrate Christmas! That's right. Uh, we got a great show in store, but first we should take a moment to remember Greg. God rest his soul. Uh, yes, it's our first Christmas without Greg and... Obviously, it's going to be difficult. It's always tough when such a vital young man plows his car through a clown college graduation. And over a cliff. And directly into a pit inexplicably filled with pitchforks and ill-tempered ferrets. Hell of a way to go. And no, folks, we still have no idea why his brakes failed. Although we think that it was the fact that the airbag spontaneously went off that distracted him in the first place. A lot of clowns died that day. A and Greg. And Greg. And it's going to be difficult to do this show without him. I think I speak for all of us when I say we miss him terribly. He was truly the light of the world. Well, what can you do? Anyway, we got a great show. Not so fast! Greg! How the hell did you survive? I, I, I mean, thank God you're alive. After all that planning, come on! Fuck. Guess it's back to the B-team for me. Seriously, how the hell did you survive all that? Oh, you don't want to hear that boring old story. We really do. What's important is that it's time for our Christmas special, and you're not going to do a Christmas special without me. Well, pull up a chair, I guess. Uh, we were going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies. Why just talk about Christmas movies when we can put on one of our own? So many reasons. Specifically, we don't have enough people. I mean, there's only four of us. Well, it just so happens you're in luck. I brought some friends along. Oh, God, you don't mean. <laughs> That's right. The Krasunka Wonkas are back. Fuck me. Again with your sad Muppet ripoffs? No, 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 no. The Krasanka Wonkas are a distinct intellectual property and are in no way affiliated with the Muppets. Uh, oh, yeah. We are completely different anarchic puppet theater troupe. You tell them, Batty Flatermouse. Yes, completely distinct. Say, that's why we used air freshener. To get rid of distinct. Wonka, wonka, wonka. Come on, that's obviously Fozzie Bear. No, I'm Sloppy Bear, a completely different character. Wonka, wonka, wonka. Yes, these are absolutely not Muppets. Fine. So what do you want to do with them? I thought we could use them to tell a classic Christmas story. We'd have a couple of main human characters, and then they'd fill in the rest of the parts. 
you know, like the Muppets. Jesus Christ. Come on! It'll be fun! <sighs> Fine. Well, guys, let's just sit back and get it over with. Hey, McAdams! Oh, great. It's Boschka the Louse. Just wanted to remind you that you're my favorite podcast member. I am? Why, thank you. Yeah, because I love fucking garbage. And that's what you are, McAdams, is fucking garbage. (laughs) I should have seen that one coming. Can we please just get this over with? Take it away, Odzo the Odnificent. Thank you, Greg. The Krizanka Wonkas present It's a Krizanka Wonkerful Life. Please say you're kidding. For this, I'll need help from my friend, Ratso Rizzo. Uh, don't you mean uh, Rizzo the Rat? I most emphatically do not mean Rizzo the Rat. I mean Ratso Rizzo, a name with absolutely no connection to any other intellectual property. Hey, I'm walking here. I can hear the lawyers pounding at the door now. Anyway, on with the show. Folks, let's cast our minds back to the good old 1940s, when everything was black and white and life was simpler, except for the rampant social inequality, extreme rationing, and... World War II and the attendant grisly deaths of 400,000 American soldiers. Hey, why is everything getting all shimmery? It's a flashback. Just go with it. Cool. Here we are. The time. Christmas Eve. 1946. The place, Puppet Falls, New York. The temperature, not freezingly cold. Snow glistens on the ground. The air is crisp with the promise of the season. And all around, the townspeople bustle about, preparing for Christmas. Hear the jingle, 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 hear the jingle. Christmas time, it's our favorite time of year. Time for peace, time for joy, time to drink a lot of beer. Hang the wreath, deck the halls, wrap the gifts under the tree. Joy on earth, love to all, and a quart of scotch for me. Peace on earth and mercy mild, all of mankind's hopes in a little child. First let's fill the shopping list, if they're out of that new toy my kid will be so pissed. La 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 la, la 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 la, couldn't think of lyrics for the second part. La 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 la, la 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 la. Couldn't think of lyrics for the second part. Christmas time, Christmas time. Families gather and break bread. Mom and Dad and Cousin Tom and your racist Uncle Fred. Christmas time, Christmas time. 
It's our favorite time of year. Time for peace, time for joy, time to drink a lot of beer. Wow, a whole musical number. We've really upped our production value. Yeah, don't expect too much more. We pretty much blew the budget on that one. Figures. And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Chris Uncle Wonkerful Life. Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. Good evening, my fellow Americans. This is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And Vice President John Nance Garner. Broadcasting to you from the White House this evening. You know, John, our allies over in Europe are in a bit of a tough spot, wouldn't you say? Indeed I would, Frankie, which is why I propose Lend-Lease program is such a needed idea. Or as we like to call it, hey, mind if I borrow that policy? Now to illustrate this program to you, let's pretend we Americans occupy one house on the block while England is in the house next door. A good-looking block is in both of our best interests. Hey, neighbor, I see you have a nice garden nose there, and my grass is starting to brown up a bit. Mind if I borrow that? Why, sure, friend. Now realize the garden hose symbolizes need munitions for defense overseas, and you have a pretty good idea. Of course, if your neighbor doesn't give you your hose back, you're royally screwed, aren't you? I lent my neighbor Gary a hedge trimmer once, and damned if I ever saw it again. Well, I'm sure our allies would give us our hedge clippers back when the time is right. That's what you think would happen. But you're living in a fairyland, my friend. Wait until your mother is coming over. You just know she's going to say something about the raggedy hedges. But Gary was out of town, probably out with some bimbo. Uh, sorry, who's the bimbo in this analogy? And, of course, all the hardware stores are closed after five. So I couldn't just run out and get another one. So anyway, to keep on top of our own national security, it's in our best interest to... And do you know what else Gary did? He built an elevated gazebo that overlooks my property. Do you know what having an observational tower next door does to the value of a home? Devalues the property. It devalues my property, John. So, my fellow Americans, the next time you hear about the Lend-Lease program, just think, hey, mind if I borrow that? Hey, Gary... Your dog keeps the entire neighborhood up at night with its incessant yipping. Mind if I borrow Rover for a little ride in the country, if you know what I mean? It's okay, Frankie. It's okay. That private dick is escaping to the bridge. Get him! Get over! He's fist chow now. It ain't that the Fjord Noir is the most chosen car amongst private dicks. It ain't about the cool black paint job making you practically invisible on black and white film either. It ain't about how the armrest is just the right height for smooching femme fatales without digging into your sides or the large trunk space for sneaking people past guards. It ain't even the metal casing thick enough to stop bullets. I was driving Fjord Noirs long before I was a private dick. But when a motor company offers you a big fat paycheck to record your inner monologue while your buns are kept nice and toasty with top-of-the-line seat warmers, well, that's the sweet spot.
Hey kids, are you ready for an all-new eye-gouging toy from Scammo? It's Sprinky! Everyone likes the Sprinky! Yes, the Sprinky is the cool new coiled toy that performs a dazzling array of tricks to startle and amaze your friends. Wow! Everyone needs a Sprinky! It climbs down the stairs! Ooh! It climbs up the stairs! It jabs you right in the eye. It jabs you over and over again, right in the eye. God, I can't stop. Oh, God, my polio. Everyone hates the Sprinky. The Sprinky is already responsible for over 4,000 injuries in just its initial year. And we're hoping to double that number by next Christmas for both children and adults alike. Everyone fears the Sprinky! Do not use the Sprinky on or around your facial area. Do not use Sprinky if you are pregnant or may become pregnant. Do not rile or confront Sprinky. Do not accept rides or strange gifts from Sprinky. Three out of five doctors recommend that you and those like you not play with Sprinky anytime, anywhere, for any reason whatsoever. You can escape the Sprinky! And now we return to it's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life, here on IBS. Anyway, on to our story. It's a very special story of a very special man. A man who grew up right here in Puppet Falls. But he's a man who's had his share of troubles and disappointments. And as night falls, he finds himself in more trouble than ever before. Little does he know, people all over the town are praying for him. Yeah, let's see how much that helps. Shut up and listen, Ratso. George Bailey saved my life. Please help him, dear God. Please, Lord, please help George tonight. Dear Jesus, if you can hear the prayer of a simple offensive stereotype like me, Please help my dear paisano, Giorgio. Yo, big man, still waiting for that scotch. Wow, a lot of people are worried about this George Bailey fella. Except for that one wino. Yes, it's a tragic story. That wino was once a respected judge, but a string of unavoidable tragedies have left him a shell of his former self. And we're not focusing on him? No, we're here to tell the story of George Bailey, a white middle-class business owner with a giant Victorian house and a loving family. It's his problems we should be worried about. Thanks, Trump. Tonight is George's crucial night. We'd better send someone down to help. What's this we shit? Oh, didn't I tell you? In this reality, I'm God. Jesus Christ. No, that's you. This ain't gonna end well. Jingo! Jingo, get over here! Betsy Ross's sewing kitten. Sweet and delicious. Yes, sir. You're using Jingo the hawk? He's got the IQ of a bird. I mean, he is literally a bird. It's the best we can do. Just roll with it. How can I be of service to you? And more importantly, to America? Jingo, a man down on Earth needs our help. 
I see. Is he sick? Worse, he's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. tonight, that man will be thinking about throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear. His American citizenship. What? No, you idiot! His life! He's thinking about throwing away his life! He's going to jump off a bridge! Well, better dead than red, I say. Would you just get the hell down there? Um, yes, yes, of course. If he's contemplating suicide, there isn't a moment to spare. I'll get down there right away and dissuade him from such an un-American course of action. No, first you're going to sit here for an hour so we can tell you his life story through an extended flashback. Is that really necessary? It does seem kind of indulgent. I mean, considering he's about to throw himself off a bridge. It's absolutely necessary. Now shut up and listen. Fine, your majesty. Uh, um, sir, if I should accomplish this mission, might I perhaps earn my wings? You're, uh, you're joking, right? You're a hawk. A fucking hawk. Yes, but these are really more like feathered hands than wings. Relax, Jingo. If you save George Bailey, you'll earn your wings. <gasps> oh, thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. Now sit down and shut up. We're 11 pages into the script and we haven't even met our main character. Shutting up, sir. Now, see into the past. Why, it's a group of young boys sledding across a frozen lake. Good, strapping American boys. And that one leading the group is your problem, George Bailey. Here he is at 12 years old in 1919. Pay attention. Something happens here you'll need to remember later on. Come on, Harry, slide on this frozen lake. We're young and invincible and nothing bad can possibly happen to us. Oh, I don't know, big brother. The ice looks awfully thin. Come on, scaredy cat. Not for nothing, but three of our friends have already fallen through the ice and drowned this week. Ah, go on. It's all frozen over now. You can hardly even see their lifeless eyes staring accusingly up at you through the ice. Well, okay. Fuck me. Harry, you fell through the ice. What a completely unforeseeable catastrophe! I can't swim! Don't worry, I'll save you, little brother! George saved his brother's life, but he caught a bad cold that infected his left ear. He lost his hearing in that ear, and it was weeks before he could return to work at the building and loan owned by his father and his Uncle Billy. Hey, Pop. I've recovered from my cold, and I'm all ready to go back to work so I can scrimp and save and one day use my money to travel the world. Yes, I'm young, and my whole future is ahead of me. There's certainly no way that the vicissitudes of life will ever stifle my dreams. Pop, are you there? Hey there, George. Uh, best wait a few moments. Hi, Uncle Billy. Hi, Ma. What's going on? Your father's in his office with Mr. Potter. Oh, that asshole. You're right, Ma, I'm being uncharitable. I'm sorry. Maybe it was a bad idea to cast glam manatee in a speaking role. Yeah, you don't have to be the one to deal with her if we don't cast her. Now shut up and listen. George, I'm sure your father will be done with Mr. Potter soon. 
Mr. Bailey, bank examiner is on the phone. Bank examiner? <laughs> I'd clean forgotten he was calling. I swear, I'm so lovably absent-minded. Good thing my poor memory will in no way ever drive a loved one to the brink of suicide. Yep, that would be awful. It would. What an odd thing to say. I'll take you to my office, Darla. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, in Pop Bailey's office. I don't know what you want from me, Mr. Potter. I want you to admit that you're fucking garbage. That's right, fucking garbage. Hmm. Who's that angry fellow being wheeled around in the refuse container? That's Bosker Potter, the richest and meanest man in Puppet Falls. All I'm asking is for another 30 days. I'll dig up the 5,000, I swear. 30 days, my ass! Have you put any real pressure on those people of yours to pay their fucking mortgages? Pressure? You know, a kneecap in here, a lobbed-off finger there. Jesus, of course not. Times are tough, Mr. Potter. A lot of people are out of work. Then foreclose! I can't do that. A lot of these families have children. They're not my fucking children. I'll tell you what they are. Fucking garbage! <laughs> hey, you! Trash goon, wheel me out. Yes, sir. Fucking garbage, I tell ya! <laughs> Prick. Papa, I'm back for being sick. Uh, what was all that with Mr. Potter? Oh, nothing much, George. We just owe Mr. Potter's bank some money. And, well... Times being what they are, a lot of our customers haven't been able to keep up with their mortgages. So we're a little short. It's, it'll all work out. Uh, Pop? Yes, George? I don't mean to second-guess you or anything, but is it really wise to just let our customers not pay us? Well, now, George, times are tough. People shouldn't have to live in an apartment just because they can't afford to pay for a house. I'm almost sure everything about that sentence is wrong. Someday you'll understand, George. When times are tough, it's my job to lend a helping hand. Even the people who never pay us? I mean, our family is doing without. Oh, come on, George. We have everything we really need. A little thrift never hurt a family. I'm wearing paper underwear. Look, George, Daddy has a lot of work to do, okay? Why don't you run along and age into Jimmy Stewart and we'll pick this up later. And so George did just that. He worked three jobs and scrimped and saved until he had enough money to pay his college tuition. Finally, he grew into a fine young man, ready to leave Puppet Falls and take on the world. On the very eve of his departure, he took a walk in the moonlight with his sweetheart, Mary. Buffalo, buffalo gals, gals won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight? Come out tonight? Oh, buffalo gals, won't you come out tonight? And dance by the light of the moon. Ah, oh, Mary, you, you look wonderful. Why, why, if it wasn't me talking, I'd say you were the prettiest girl in town. Well, why don't you say it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I will say it. Uh, say, how old are you now, anyway? Eighteen. Eighteen? Why, am I too young or too old? No, no, no. 18 is just right. Your age suits you. Why, I'm only 21 myself. Are you kidding? I, I mean, you're clearly around 40 and Jimmy Stewart. Now, none of that! I'm Bailey, you hear? George Bailey. 
and I am 21 years old. Fine, George. And uh, don't you forget it. Say, look, uh, there's the old abandoned Granville house. Let's throw a rock at it. Are you out of your fucking mind? No, no, Mary. You throw a rock and try to break a window, see? And if you can break the glass, your wish will come true. Let's see. Uh, Here's a rock. Well, what'd you wish for, George? Oh, not one wish, Mary. A a whole hat full. I'm going to shake the dust of this crummy town off my feet. I'm off to college tomorrow. And and then, Mary, after I graduate, why, why, I'll travel the world. I'll see Egypt and Venice and and all the ports of call of the Orient. That's a lovely wish, George. Why don't you make a wish, Mary? Well, I suppose it couldn't hurt. Hey, that's pretty good. What'd you wish for? Oh, no. Come on, tell me. If I told you, it might not come true. What is it you want, Mary? You want the moon? Just, Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Say, that's a good idea. I'll give you the moon. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then moonbeams that shoot out of your fingers and toes. You aren't actually clear on how the moon works, are you? Moonbeams that shoot out of the ends of your hair and... and, (laughs) Am I talking too much? I'll sing. You're making me envy the deaf. Even they'd get bored reading his lips. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Why, there's, there's two old men sitting on the porch across the street. Why don't you just kiss her instead of trying to talk her to sleep? I don't think that's a good idea, Knickerbocker. Why not, Algonquin? Well, if his talking is putting her to sleep, a kiss would probably kill her. Sure, but at least it'd be quicker. Now, now, wait a minute. I haven't been talking that long, old-timer. Old-timer? I was 23 when this scene started. (laughs) Fine, you you want kissing? I'll show you some kissing that'll put the hair back on your heads. Wait, let me go inside first. At my age, I might not be able to take the sight of you two making out. Too arousing? No, too pitiful. Let's give these two old coots a show. You're into some weird shit, George. But what the hell? I'm game. George, George, come quick. Your father's exploded. What? Uh, Mary, Mary, I'm sorry. I've got to go. Get in the car, George. Hurry. Did you send for a doctor? George, he exploded. Oh, Right. Uh, probably too late, then. We're organizing a mopping crew to clean up the living room right now. W- well, what did you need me for so urgently, then? Mr. Potter's going to try to take over the building and loan. And with your father gone, you're the only one who can save it. The board meeting is tomorrow. B- but I leave for college tomorrow. Of all the days to explode. George, believe me, if your father could have waited until you graduated to explode, he would have. But right now... The building and loan depends on you. What cruel fate! And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Chris Uncle Wonkerful Life. 
Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. Coming soon, another Krazunko Wonka Cinema Classic. The Krazunko Wonka of Oz. See one of the greatest whimsical tales of all time, as retold by your favorite Krazunko Wonkas. Join Blover as Dorothy. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. Waffle Puffamus, the purple hippopotamus that only Blover can see, as Toto. Bark, bark. What was your first clue, Einstein? The sudden onset of Technicolor? Bark, bark. Sloppy, the bear, as the scarecrow. If I only had a brain. Batty Flatermouse as the Tin Man. Yeah, if only I had a less ridiculous accent. And special guest star, Ron McAdams as the Cowardly Lion. Gee, I don't want anything at all. I'm just glad to help my friends out in any way I can. Together, they must travel to the enchanted city of Laos, ever watchful of the wicked Wonka of the West along the way. I'll get you, my pretty. And your little Waffle Puffamus, too. Go, my flying monkey. I would like to raise several objections to my role in this production. Look, Jingo, you're the only one in the cast with wings, so... But a flying monkey doesn't strike me as particularly patriotic. You're gonna just have to roll with it. Featuring Bosker the Louse as the wizard. Who dare approach the great and powerful Louse? Tell me when it's over. Yeah, yeah, I know what garbage looks like. Wait, hey, is that my good friend Ron McAdams? It sure is. You're the biggest piece of garbage of all, McAdams! Can Dorothy's friends help her find her way home? Now, Dorothy, you've had the power to go home all along. All you have to do is tap your ruby stilettos together three times and say there's no place like home. 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 Hey, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I wish you could have seen how stupid you looked. <laughs> Wait, come back. Don't leave me. I can't come back. You're all pieces of garbage. Goodbye, folks. Coming soon to a radio near you. Don't miss the Krasanka Wonka of Oz. Hear that? That's on the street corners across America. The familiar Christmas sound of one of our bell ringers with one of our trademark green kettles asking for your donations. Hey, mister, I'm a nickel. Goshen Begora, bless you, young Tim. Hi, I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the Damnation Army, and I'm here to assure you that every last one of your holiday pennies, nickels, and dimes will absolutely go towards us damning another soul to the eternal lake of fire, lorded over by Lucifer himself. Since 1929, our focus has been on hobos. These feckless bums with their bindles are shiftless and jobless no-accounts, can't we all agree that the Great Depression and living in shanty towns is so last decade? Ring, ring. Hello, Herbert Hoover wants the 1930s back. Yes, give us your rightfully earned small change, and you can make a difference in the damnation army, praying really hard to send the poor and indigent straight to Satan. God's New Deal is an Old Testament judgment casting these wicked hobos into Gehenna and the bottomless pit of torment. 
teacher says every time a nickel hits the bottom of the damnation army kettle, we send another hobo straight to hell. boy, Tim. Down to the devil where they belong. God bless you, my child. And God damn hobos to the eternal suffering they deserve. I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the damnation army. It's the holiday season, and that means the days are getting shorter, the air is getting chillier, and the most asked-for toys are getting harder to find. Here at Gumbel's Department Store, we'll take the stress and worry out of shopping for the tots. Our friendly and freshly scrubbed staff will help you find whatever you need, and we guarantee we'll have all the latest and hottest toys from Scamo in stock. Whether it's the adorable Curly Shemple doll, the adventurous blind bandit BB gun, or the new Tangled Terror, the Sprinky, you'll find them here. We have plenty of the old standbys, too, like extra-flammable miniature appliances for the girls and razor-sharp erector sets for the boys. And who could pay us a visit without taking a gander at our famous window displays? We've gone the extra mile this year with a not-as-creepy-as-last-year Santa Claus and his almost lifeful-like reindeer in one window and the traditional nativity scene on the other, complete with freshly taxidermied sheep, cows, and donkeys keeping watch over Joseph and Mary. So if you need a way to spread some holiday cheer this season, look to Gumbles. We'll have what you're looking for. And now we return to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life here on IBS. All right, I think the board's business is just about complete. I'd like to thank George Bailey here for keeping the ship afloat these last few months. I think everyone here should know he's postponed his college plans to keep Bailey Building and Loan operational during this difficult time. Good job. Thank you very much. Thanks. And George, I, I know you're ready to go off to college. I have a taxi waiting downstairs. Well, if there's no further business... I have a motion. Yes, Mr. Potter. I'll say what I've said at every meeting these last three months. With Peter Bailey gone, this institution is no longer necessary. I move we dissolve it and hand its assets over to the receiver. Mr. Potter... It's too soon after Peter Bailey's death to discuss dissolving the building and loan. Peter Bailey was an idealist. Even I'll admit that, but he wasn't a businessman. That's what killed him. Now, wait just a damn minute. Pop exploded. The doctor said it could have happened to anyone. Don't you go trying to pin this on his business. Business? He was a fucking idiot. I mean, look at this loan to Ernie Bishop. That fellow who sits around in his taxi all day. The bank turned him down for a mortgage, and he walks in here and gets a house worth $5,000. I handled that loan, Mr. Potter, and I can personally vouch for Ernie's character. See? You shoot pool with any of the employees here. That's all it takes to get a fucking $5,000 mortgage. Meanwhile, whose balls do I gotta fondle to get the bank's loans repaid on time? All because starry-eyed dreamers like Peter Bailey filled the working class's heads with crazy ideas like they deserve working plumbing. Just a minute. Now, now hold on, Mr. Potter. You're right when you say my father was no businessman. Why he started this penny-ante building and loan, I'll never know. But in the 25 years since he started this thing, he never once thought of himself. He was always more concerned about the little fella down on his luck. Isn't that right, Uncle Billy? 
Why, he didn't save enough money to send Harry to college, let alone me. No, he gave and gave and gave to the poor of this town, even if that meant his own family starved. Why, I, I once had to set my own broken arm because Pop gave our family's medical budget for the month to a schizophrenic homeless fella. Hell, he sent me to work on Old Man McGinley's coal mine when I was nine, and when Old Man McGinley said he couldn't afford to pay me, did Pop grumble? Why, no, he said, of course George would be happy to work for free. You just set him down for his regular 14-hour shift, and don't worry about it being a school night. Oh, wow, now that I think of it, he was a terrible father. But, but, but that's not the point. The point is that he cared enough to help people get out of your slums, Mr. Potter. And because of that, he had friends. So in my book, he died a richer man than you'll ever be. Your book? Your book is fucking garbage! <laughs> the ball's on this little asshole! Now look, everyone. You're the board here. You can do what you want. But this town needs a measly little one-horse institution like this building and loan, if nothing else, so people have some place they can come for help without crawling to Potter. George, I think I speak for the whole board when I say that your stuttering, unfocused, populist gobbledygook has moved us all. I agree, the building and loan should stay open. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. On one condition, that you, George Bailey, stay on as executive director. What? Now wait, I was about to go to college. I know, but this building and loan needs a Bailey at the helm. What about Uncle Billy? Hey, I bet this window will break if I throw myself at it. Oh, it was right! I think we both know that's not a good idea. But, but I haven't any experience. I, I mean, Mr. Chairman, I'm only 21. Come on, you're clearly at least 40 and Jimmy Stewart. But, but I've got to go! Jimmy, or George, the board will vote with Potter otherwise. So, he didn't go? No, he didn't. Not only that, he gave his tuition money to Harry and sent him to college. <gasps> what an inspiring American! Harry did very well there, too. Captain of the football team, graduated with honors. And what happened to George? George got four years older, waiting for Harry to finish college and come back home to take over the building and loan. You see, he still hadn't given up his dream of travel. Christ, this guy can't take a hint. Well, Mary, Uncle Billy, there's Harry's train. He's finally home from college. Oh, it'll be good to see him again. I like artichokes. George... Is Uncle Billy feeling all right? Raisins are like great mummies. Oh, don't mind him. Uh, he, he's been a little off ever since he took that fall out of the window at the building and loan. Landed right on his head, you know. The dead speak to me. But that's not the point. The point is Harry's finally home. And once I get him settled in at the building and loan, why, it's travel and adventure for me for the rest of my life. Goodbye, boring old puppet falls. Tell me again why I'm going out with you. All you ever talk about is abandoning me. Hey, Mary, there's my brother. Hey, big brother, how's life treating you? Harry, it's great to see you, old boy. Uncle Billy, you haven't changed a bit. My parts whisper dark secrets to me in the night. Folks, I'd like to introduce you to Ruth. Meet the wife. Hello. The wife? Oh, 
Why, Harry, you old devil, congratulations! Amazing! I've lost my pants! Well, Ruth, what's a sensible girl like you doing getting married to an old lunkhead like my brother? Oh, it was purely mercenary. My father offered him a job. A, a, a job? Hey, George, can I talk to you? Look, Ruth spoke out of turn. Her father has offered me a job, but I know you've been holding the bag here for three or four years so I could get my education. So you're not gonna take the job? Oh, no, I'm definitely taking the job. What? I mean, you have no idea how much money they're offering me. But, but what about me, holding the bag for four years and all that? Yeah, I thought about that. And? Fuck it. See you at home, George. Motherfuck! And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Chris Uncle Wonkerful Life. Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. <laughs> This is Bully Childs, a simple homemaker and chef de cuisine, and definitely not a spy enlisted by the OSS posted somewhere in Ceylon. I'm speaking to you on behalf of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Now, we've all got to do our part on the home front to help our boys with the good fight overseas. How do we weaponize the Dickens out of home economics? The war effort, that's how! But it's the middle of December, and the East Coast is already socked in with record snowfall. Here's how to grow some tomatoes and spinach in the dead of winter. It's simple, really. Just turn your sealed indoor closets full of Maui Waui and other strains of hashish into an ample food supply. Soon you'll use those grow lights and hydroponic drips on arugula and baby carrots. The breadbasket of the world now extends to the two-foot-by-two-foot two coke closet in your front hallway. And don't forget to turn in your extracurricular reefer plants over to your nearest FBI agent or neighborhood jazz man for government-sanctioned disposal. Really, we'll look the other way just this once. So let's save humanity with your forks and teeth, one victory garden at a time. I'm Boolean Childs for the USDA saying, Kill the enemy! And bon appetit! In these difficult times, when our brothers and sisters across the sea are facing war, destruction, and death, let us not forget their losses in the face of an insurmountable foe. Let us all open a beer and drink in their honor. A beer? A beer? Our brave soldiers are fighting and dying on the front lines, and the best you can do is drink a beer in our honor? How many dare you, sir? We raise a glass to our brothers and sisters in the armed services overseas, but not just any beer will do, oh no! drink an American beer? Not for this. Do we drink a German beer? Ha! <laughs> no, a German beer would be in the poorest of taste considering. No, that wouldn't do. When we raise our glass, it should be a fine British porter. Only one brand will suffice. Churchill brand Blitz beer. Well, in that case, I'm glad to see the United States enjoying one of Britain's best beers. In fact, if I may suggest. Yes, Churchill brand Blitz beer. Long heralded as the only beer welcome within the walls of Buckingham Palace. And don't forget to serve it at room temperature, just the way the King of England does. You do realize you can refrigerate our beer as well? Enjoy a nice warm glass of flat British beer, just like your ancestors did hundreds of years ago. Flat? At least our beer doesn't taste like somebody already drank it. And, and remember, as you raise your glass, that old British refrain. Now's the time to drink like Brits, with a tall, warm can of Churchill's Blitz.
The Germans have us pinned! We need reinforcements! Hey, that's one of our tanks! We're saved! Hop in, boys. It ain't that the Fjord Cooper model tank is the most recognized kraut-killing machine. It ain't the cool periscope, neither. What's going on? I think we're in a Fjord commercial. It ain't that they promoted me to captain, or that the Fjord tank is the only one on the market today with cup holders. A man just feels big when he's in a 62 metric ton solid steel frame if I can do whatever the hell I want. I hear Paris is nice this time of year. I think he forgot we're in here. The holiday season is once again upon us, and this year, things are a bit different. We here at Gumbles are striving to show support by donating what we can to the effort of our fighting men and women, while still making gifts available for our customers. We still have classic Scammo toys available, like our old friend the Sprinky, but we also have plenty of model tanks and trucks so kids and parents can show their support, as well as brand new wooden items, dinker toys, and blinkin' logs. Dinker toys unleash a child's imagination without all the expensive metal, while blinkin' logs let you build all the houses, cabins, and air raid shelters you want. And girls, you can learn to sew with a variety of miniature sewing kits. Show how much you support father by helping mother darn his uniform, or sew his parachute so he can drop behind enemy lines. And don't forget our always popular Gumbel's Windows display. Instead of the traditional reindeer and sleigh for Santa, our window display has Santa flying around in his Boeing B-29 to deliver presents to good children, and something else for the naughty ones. Nothing says strength like a plane made in America. So when you're in the neighborhood, stop at Gumbel's. We'll have what you're looking for. And now we return to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life here on IBS. That night, the whole town descended on the Bailey house to welcome Harry home and congratulate him on his new marriage. But George didn't feel much like celebrating. Well, goodbye, travel brochures. Guess I won't be needing you anytime soon. <laughs> what? Oh no, mother, I'm feeling all right. Just. Getting some fresh air. Oh, yes, yes, R Ruth seems like a fine girl. And, and Harry sure does love her. Well, she'll keep him out of Puppet Falls anyway. No, Mother, I don't particularly feel like a party right now. Uh, perhaps I'll, I'll take a little walk. No, Mother, not to Mary Hatch's house. Just, just taking the air is all. Yes, good night, Mother. Make my apologies for me, will you? Thank you, Mother. And so George walked aimlessly around Puppet Falls until he ran across his two best friends, a cop named Bert and a cab driver named Ernie. Bert and Ernie? Are you shitting me? What can I say? Watch the movie. They're called Bert and Ernie. 
Well, this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. Not to worry. In our version, Bert and Ernie are portrayed by Brett and Rodney, two completely distinct characters that are in no way connected to the children's television workshop. That's a relief. Hey, Bert. Is that George Bailey I see? I bet my bottle cap selection on it. Hello, George. Oh, hi, Bert. Hi, Ernie. What are you fellas doing out and about tonight? Just taking my rubber ducky for an evening drive. And I'm looking for my checker-playing pigeon, Bernice. You see? Totally distinct characters. What brings you out tonight, George? Oh, just taking some air is all. Sure you're not getting ready to call on Mary Hatch? Now, why does everyone assume that I'm going to call on Mary Hatch? I said I was just taking some air, and by gum, that's all I'm doing. Gee, George, then why are you standing outside her house? What? Huh, so I am. Well, I'll be. I, I suppose it's only polite to pay her a call. Excuse me, fellas. See you around, George. Bye, George. Um, Ernie? Yeah, Bert? Why do you have a banana in your ear? What's that, Bert? I said, why do you have a banana in your ear? You'll have to speak up, Bert. I have a banana in my ear. Like I said, completely distinct. Jesus Christ. Who is it? It's George Bailey, Mary. Just a moment. Hello, George. What brings you out tonight? Oh, the, the party for Harry was a little crowded for me. Thought I'd take the air. Uh, would you care to sit on the porch with me for a few moments? Of course. George... Mary, I... You first. I, I just wanted to know how Harry's doing. Oh, he's swell. He's got himself a swell girl and a swell job with a swell paycheck. Off in a swell city, hundreds of miles from this one-horse town. Oh, George... What happened to you? How do you mean? Why, it seems just like a short while ago you were a starry-eyed 40-year-old. 21. And here it is, only four years later, and you seem so, well, bitter, even though you're still only 40. 25. George, what happened to the boy who said he'd lasso the moon for me? Don't get me wrong, it was stupid, but at least it was romantic. Oh, Mary, darling... I still want to lasso the moon for you. Why, why, you see those stars up there? Yes. Well, if I could, I'd pluck those stars out of the sky and string them on a necklace for you to wear. And that necklace would sparkle almost as bright as your eyes. Oh, George. I'd build you a house of clouds, Mary. Clouds as soft and white as your skin. Oh, Mary, if I could, I'd, I'd give you the moon and the sky and the stars, too, because you're worth all of that and more. But I'm afraid I can't. All I have to give Mary is poor old earthbound George Bailey. And he's not much of a prize. Oh, you big fool. I don't need a house in the clouds. All I've ever wanted is poor earthbound George Bailey. Why, Mary? D do you mean that? You'd want a worthless old wreck like me? Of course I do, George. And you're not worthless. You're... Adequate. And I'm not getting any younger. Oh, Mary! Oh, Pablo. Who's Pablo? It's not important. Kiss me.
And so, George and Mary became Mr. and Mrs. Bailey. Um, how much longer until I'm up to speed? Relax, only 17 more years to go. Cheese and crackers. You said it, pal. Shut up and listen. Mr. Bailey? Mrs. Bailey? Oh, what a beautiful day to be married. Yes, October 29th, 1929. Soon to be known worldwide as the day George Bailey and Mary Hatch made it official. And for absolutely no other reason. Well, hello there, Mr. and Mrs. Bailey. Your chariot awaits. Hi there, Ernie. Ready to take us down to the dock? Finally taking that trip, huh, George? Oh, yes. Mary and I have scrimped and saved for months, and, and now we're going to make this honeymoon count. Just look. Well, would you look at that roll of cash? Where are you going on that? Oh, everywhere. Week in New York City, week in the Bahamas, you name it. Say, what's the racket? Why is everybody running up the street toward the building and loan? Well, I've never seen one before, but I think it has all of the hallmarks of a run on the bank. We'd better check it out. Come on. Excuse me, everyone. I'm waiting to get in. Here, here, let me just unlock the doors and we'll all go up together. Everyone come on in. Uh, please, please make yourselves comfortable. I'll be with you momentarily. Uncle Billy? It's open. Uncle Billy, what's going on? Potter's Bank called in our loan. I want a plaid car. What? When? About an hour ago. I had to hand over all of our cash. An inchworm named Gladys lives in my underpants. All of it? Every cent. Sometimes your father's ghost tells me to kill. Every cent? Holy mackerel! Hello? George, it's Potter. Give it here. Uh, hello? George, I've heard a rumor you've closed your doors. Is that true? It is not. Well, glad to hear it. It's ugly out there. You can say that again. George, I'm going all out to help in this crisis. I'm willing to guarantee your customers. You just send them over here with their shares, and I'll give them 50 cents on the dollar. Boy, you don't miss a trick, do you? Well, well you're gonna miss this one, Potter. All I know is if you close those doors before six, the building and loan will never reopen! You wanna know why? You wanna know why? Why? Because your shares are fucking garbage! <laughs> what an asshole. And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Chris Uncle Wonkerful Life. Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. Hello, Abulian Childs, a simple homemaker and chef's to cuisine, and definitely not on loan to the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare as part of Churchill's secret army, teaching our allies the finer points of jujitsu and how to silently go around the ville and opponent with piano wire. Ahem. Anyway, here's the ration friendly recipe for holiday fruitcake. Since you won't have any real butter, use America's favorite laboratory-made white ooze, Oleo. 
And if you're unable to purchase flour, borrow some sawdust from your local lumber mill. If you're fresh out of dried raisins, nuts, or candied fruits, I say, c'est la vie. Snare a squirrel out of your neighborhood park and give it a good squeeze until it cops a few currants right into the batter. Same difference, it's fruitcake. Your war sugar book should provide you with the precious sweet stuff and some eggy-waggies from a big fat hen. Lacking those, try raiding a few pigeons' nests for their yolks. Stir up this slurry with your Bakelite mixing bowl, bake at 350 degrees in your oven or convenient pottery kiln for five days, and top it off with Cold Whip, a delicious treat made from canned milk and ashes from your very own furnace. So let's save humanity with your forks and your teeth, one Russian recipe at a time. I'm Boolean child saying, kill the enemy and bon appetit. Hear that? In these dark and troubling times, that's the comforting Christmas sound of one of our bell ringers with one of our trademark green kettles asking for your donations. Cheer, mister. Have a nickel for the wire thing. Goshen Bagora, bless you, young Tim. Hi, I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the Damnation Army. In the immediate aftermath of the massive national tragedy of Pearl Harbor, we do one of the most helpful things we can do. We offer our thoughts and prayers. Our focus is now off damning hobos and into mobilizing the home front by praying for scrap. Yes, we will pray for scrap drives across this great land. In our Pray for Scrap campaign, your hard-earned pennies, nickels, and dimes will go towards our army of evangelicals getting down on their knees to avail unto the Lord for raw materials to destroy the Axis nations. We will pray for your hubcaps. We will pray for your rusty bed frames. We will pray for your tin cans. We won't actually collect them to turn into munitions, but we will spend your money on thoughts and prayers. And what could be more meaningful than that? Digit says every time a nickel hits the bottom of the damnation army kettle, we send thoughts and prayers to scrap drives. Oi, Tim, it's almost as good as doing something. God bless you, my child. And God damn those who don't give us small change to pray for scrap. I'm the Reverend Jerry Thomas with the Damnation Army. Coming soon, another Krasunka Wonka Cinema Classic. It's the greatest love story ever told, set in occupied French Morocco. It's Krasunka Wonka Blanca, starring Odzo the Ognificent as Rick, the nightclub owner. I don't stick my nose out for nobody. Please, Rick, I have two, tally them, two <laughs> letters of transport out of Krasunka Wonka Blanca. You're the only man I can trust to hide them for me. Clamanity as Ilsa. The woman who walks back into Rick's life and turns it upside down. Ooh. I'm sorry, Miss Elsa, but I don't play that tune anymore. Ooh. Well, Mr. Rick would be upset if you heard me playing this, but here goes! Sam, I thought I told you to never play that stupid song in here. It drives me nuts. Oh, hello, Elsa. Ooh. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she had to walk into mine. I told you ladies' night was a good idea. Odzo and Glam light up the screen with fiery passion. You're getting on that plane, sweetheart. 
And I'm staying right here. Ooh. And don't you try and stop us, Louie. Oh, hey, oh, honestly, I was cool with letting you guys go. Ow, no, really, seriously, that hurts. I love you too, but if you don't get on that plane, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow, and maybe not the next day, or the day after that, or the following Tuesday, or the whole month of June. But soon and for the rest of your life, mm. we'll always have Sheboygan. <laughs> Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Oh, seriously, I am not going to be your friend if you don't stop shooting me. Coming soon to a radio near you. Don't miss Krasanka Wonka Blanca. And now we return to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life here on IBS. Well, everyone, let's all remember that this thing isn't as black as it appears. The bank will be open again in a week. But, George, I've got my money here at the building and loan. Yeah, yeah that's right. And we appreciate your business, Charlie. I'll take it now. What? I want my money now. Yeah. Give him his money. No, but you, you're you thinking of this place all wrong. As if I had the money back there in the safe. The money's not here. Your money's in Joe's house and, and the Franklin's house and Fred's house and a hundred other houses. Joe, you thieving son of a bitch. Jesus, Charlie! That's not what I meant. I mean, you lent it to them to build, and, and they'll pay it back as best they can. That's what a building and loan does. What are you going to do, foreclose on them? I've got $242 here. That's not going to break anybody. Okay, Charlie, okay. Fill out this form, and you can have it in 60 days. 60 days? That's what you agreed to when you bought your shares. I need the money now, George. Now! Charlie. Papa needs his medicine, George. Papa needs it bad. But Charlie. How much do you need? What? Mary. Mary, that's our honeymoon money. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. I can hold this over your head for the rest of our lives. How much can you make do on for now? Well, I, I suppose $5. Only $5? What can I say? Smack is cheap here in the 20s. All right, five it is. Thank you, Charlie. Now, who's next? And so, George kept the building and loan open through the stock market crash. And all it took was giving up his dream honeymoon. This is getting depressing. Are we certain this guy isn't better off killing himself? Shut up! Anyway, George got through the crisis. And even through the Great Depression, the building and loan did well. George and Mary even bought themselves the old abandoned Granville house and fixed it up. And soon enough, some little Baileys came along. Zuzu, Thorax, Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, Frank Jr. Frank Jr.? Really? That's the one you have questions about? Anyway, through it all, George Bailey was there, helping the citizens of Puppet Falls achieve their dreams. 
Well, Mr. Martini, I'm proud that Bailey Building and Loan could help you build this beautiful restaurant. Oh, Giorgio, you're making my dreams come true. Really? That's the accent you're going with. Okay, then. Well, gl glad I could help, Mr. Martini. Pasta Fagioli, if only my poor mama could have been alive to see it this day. I'm not dead, you figlio di putana. Mama, you're embarrassing me in front of Mr. Bailey. Facile te mangi a pata, frutio. Limitacci tua. Mangi la miccia. I'll just be going now. And so it went, until the war came. Oh, boy. The war? We got to sit through a flashback of the entirety of World War II? Relax, I'll just sum it up. Uh. Thank God. George's deaf ear got him a 4F deferment, so he fought the war at home, organizing rubber drives, scrap drives, and food rationing. Food rationing? Bet he was popular. Harry, meanwhile, shipped out to the Pacific as a Navy flyer, shot down six enemy aircraft, including two that were about to crash into a transport ship. Harry Bailey saved the lives of 120 men aboard that ship. What an American! Why aren't we hearing more about this Harry fellow? Finally, the war ended, and Harry was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. America! America! But the day he was due back in Puppet Falls, Christmas Eve, well, that was the very day that Uncle Billy's absent-mindedness finally caught up with him. It happened this very morning. Finally! Would you just shut up and let me narrate? As I was saying, it happened this very morning. Good morning, Uncle Billy. Good morning, George. Feet are like hands that you can stand on. You see this newspaper? Harry Bailey to be awarded Medal of Honor. Good old Harry. Yes, he's done the family proud. Why don't my nipples give milk anymore? So, where are you headed off to, Uncle Billy? Oh, just going over to the bank to deposit $8,000 of the building and loans money. You know, because I'm notoriously forgetful and handling large sums of cash, is inexplicably part of my job. I want to live inside a whale with Veronica Lake. Well, good for you, Uncle Billy. I'll see you at the office later. And so Uncle Billy went to the bank to make the deposit. $8,000 in cash. Why, it's crazy old Billy Bailey. Hey, Ding Dong, fall out any windows lately? <laughs> Uh, blow it out your ass, Potter. My business is with the bank. Porcupines are like teddy bears that hurt. Say, Billy, what's that you've got in the envelope there? It's $8,000 of the building and loans money that I'm here to deposit. I once tried to roll my eyes back to see the inside of my skull and they got stuck like that for three days. My brother exploded. Hey, I wonder what's in this envelope I'm holding. Um, the envelope you're holding? The one we just talked about? Why, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it must be that, uh, that sandwich I asked you to pick up for me, Billy. Oh, sure, that's probably it. Here you go. Thanks, Billy, thanks. I've been, I've been wanting that sandwich. You're very welcome. Once I punched my ding-dong to see how it would feel. 
It really hurt. Bye. You there, trash goon! Yeah, boss? Put this money in the safe and tell no one. Sure thing, boss. Holy shit, what a fucking moron! <laughs> Meanwhile, at the building and loan... Good morning, Tilly. Good morning, Mr. Bailey. Sir, the bank examiner is here. Oh, yes. Uh, how do you do, Mr... Uh, Carter. Mr. Carter. How do you do? With your cooperation, I'll get this finished up today. I'd like to be able to spend Christmas with my family. Well, I don't blame you, Mr. Carter. Uh, you can just step into that office in the back and we'll get you all set up. Thank you, sir. Uh, Tilly, bring Mr. Carter the books. Yes, sir. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uncle Billy, what's wrong? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uncle Billy, the bank examiner's here. He's here? Holy shit. Yeah, he wants to see the accounts payable and... Say, what's the matter? You know, that $8,000 I was going to deposit, I am... I lost it. My my underpants. Oh, shut up about your underpants. We don't have time for your crazy right now. D did you say you lost $8,000? Well, yes. I don't know where I put it. Okay. Okay, we'll, ju we'll just go back over every step you took this morning. I already did that, George. It's gone. Look, did you put the envelope in your pocket? Yeah, maybe I... Maybe? I don't want any maybe... Uncle Billy, we've got to find that money. I'm no good to you, George. I... Listen to me. Think. Think. I can't think anymore, George. It hurts. Where's the money, you stupid old fool? Where's the money? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. George, I'm sorry. Where's the money, Billy? Where's the money? George, stop shaking me. Where's the fucking money, you goddamn idiot? Where? 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 Oh, why? How? When? Look what you made me do! Hello? Uh, Mr. Bailey? Um, um, he's gone to lunch. And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life. Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. I'm Boolean Charles, a simple homemaker and chef de cuisine. I'm definitely not embedded with a cell of guerrilla marquee fighters for the French La Resistance, teaching them knife and small arms combat against the collaborist Vichy regime. The only thing more quizzling than that no-account Marshal Patin is that gosh darn quizzling himself. Anyway, Christmas canning. The vibrant reds and cheerful greens of kind of foods inside the mason jars speaks of Christmas itself. Now I suggest obtaining a copy of my recipe book, Canning for Saboteurs. As any home economics class will teach, you can fill a jelly jar with petrol or black powder or even ammonium nitrate. A few dozen of my homey gifts around the trestle of a bridge garlanded with festoons of holiday fuse can bring down a Nazi supply train. Or I suggest a simple kerosene jelly jar tossed into the open doors of an SS officer's club. 
Nothing could be homier than hearing Nazi chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And there's always my favorite jelly recipe of all time, napalm. So let's save humanity with your forks and teeth, one cunning session at a time. I'm Boolean Child saying, kill the enemy, and bon appétit. Faster, higher, stronger. Although last year's Olympics were canceled due to the war in Europe, don't worry. We here at the Independence Broadcasting System, or IBS, are confident that our friends, the Brits and Ruskies, will vanquish those filthy Krauts and Italians in time for the 1944 Winter and Summer Games. We have total faith that our friends in France will be liberated in time to return the Winter Games from Cortina de Pezzo to Chamonix. And we're assured that Churchill will oversee the Great Britain rebuild in time for the Summer Games in Old London Town. From the battlefield to the playing field, IBS will bring you all of the exciting action. Listen as our intrepid sports reporter relays you the finishing order of the marathon. Listen again as he summarizes each day's boxing matches in excruciating and painful detail. Listen once more as he describes the twists and turns of the four-man bobsled. Look, we don't know if this television stuff is going to take off. It made waves at the World's Fair in New York, sure, but we here at IBS aren't convinced. So for now, radio is the best way to present all the exciting coverage of the 1944 Winter and Summer Olympic Games, and you'll get it all here on IBS. Hey kids, do your parents shop at Gumbel's department store? Hey parents, do you always have to take your kids with you to your closest Gumbel's department store? Well, if the answer is yes, don't forget to bring those well-behaved little rascals by the candy counter. Good little boys and girls, with permission from their parents, of course, can have a piece of candy free with proof of purchase by their parents. The candy counter is located right next to the tire department and has all your favorite varieties. Smarms caramels, Withers toffees, Manchester mint patties, and more. And while you're there, let the kitties get their feet x-rayed on the fluoroscope in the nearby shoe department. And if you buy a second bag of waxy Smarms caramels, the kids get a free ride on the tire rotator. It's all kinds of family fun at Gumbel's. That's Gumbel's department store. We'll have what you're looking for. And now we return to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life here on IBS. That's sounding very nice, Thorax. Keep practicing. Oh, hello, George. Did you remember the wreath? Yeah, Daddy, did you remember the wreath? What? The wreath for the door, Daddy. Yeah, the wreath for the door, Daddy. We need the wreath, Daddy. No, I didn't bring the fucking wreath. Quit hounding me, will ya? George, is... is something the matter? No, of course not. Why would anything be the matter? Why does something have to be the matter just because I forgot your stupid wreath? Oh, George forgot our stupid dead plant circle. It must be the end of the fucking world. George. Where's the scotch? I assume it's wherever you left it. Fine! Nebuchadnezzar, Frank Jr., why don't you keep decorating the tree? Thorax, do you have to keep playing that damn piano? I have to practice for the party tonight, Daddy. Oh yes, the guests will be here soon. 
guests. I, I don't want any guests. You kids keep decorating the tree while I talk to Daddy in the kitchen. Have a bad day, George? Oh, it was another red-letter day for the Baileys, let me tell you. Oh, where's Zuzu? She's upstairs in bed. She walked home without buttoning her coat today and caught a little cold. But the doctor says she'll be fine. Doctor? You called the doctor? You think we're made of money? George, what's wrong? Everything! This stupid, drafty house! This this crummy town! And, and this family! Why'd we have to go and have so many kids? Why'd we give them such ridiculous names? And why the hell are they all puppets? I mean, how does that even happen? Your Uncle Billy's a talking bear. You leave Uncle Billy out of this. Daddy, how do you spell frankincense? Fuck off! Where are you going? Upstairs to see Zuzu. Mama, how do you spell frankincense? Oh, fuck off, Frank Jr. Oh, wow, look who's awake. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Why are you getting out of bed, Zuzu? You got a cold. Wanna give my flower a drink? Your flower's dead, Zuzu. Flower? Dead? Well, that's what happens when you pick a flower. You kill it. Flower? <laughs> dead? <laughs> no, 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 Zuzu, don't, don't cry. I, I, I mean, you, you kill it in a nice way. Uh, oh, look, some petals fell off. Aren't they pretty? Petals fell off because Zuzu is a murderer! <laughs> no, 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 it's um, uh, good luck. See, Daddy will put the petals in his pocket for luck. See, Zuzu? Zuzu is a murderer! Zuzu's going straight to hell because she's bad! <laughs> Okay, the hell with this. I hope you feel better soon, sweetheart. Yes, thank you, Miss Welch. I'm sure she'll be all right. Is that Zuzu's teacher? Yes. Let me speak to her. Hello, Mrs. Welch. Uh, th this is Zuzu's father. Say, what's the idea of letting my kid walk home with her coat all undone? She's lucky she didn't catch pneumonia. No, I don't think I'm going too far. No, I don't care that your own kid died of pneumonia. You probably didn't button her coat either. Oh, now you're going to cry, huh? Well, well, go ahead and cry because there is no God! George, give me that phone. I oh, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Welch. Uh, my husband is... She hung up. I'll hang her up. Daddy. What? How do you spell hallelujah? Fuck off! And Thorax, will you quit with that damned racket? George, why must you torture the children? Oh. M Mary, I... <sighs> Mama, is Daddy in trouble? I'm afraid he might be, dear. Should I pray for him? Oh, yeah. Let's see how much that helps. And so, George stumbled out into the snowy night, lost and alone and desperate. 
So desperate, in fact, that the only thing he could think of was to turn to his worst enemy, Bosker Potter. Well, well, well. If it isn't George, my shit don't stink, Bailey. I, I need help, Mr. Potter. Th through some sort of accident, my company is short in its accounts. The bank examiner is there now. I need to raise $8,000 immediately. Short on the accounts, huh? So that's what those reporters wanted. Reporters? Yeah, they called from the building and loan to see if you were here. The DA is there looking for you, too. Holy shit! $8,000 short, are you? Been spending the company funds at the racetrack, huh? Uh, been there. N no, nothing like that. Hookers, then. No, I've just misplaced $8,000. Mr. Potter, I'm begging you. I'll pay any interest you want on the loan. I'll... What do you have for collateral? Collateral? Yes, collateral. You think I'm running a charity here, Bailey? I'd think my character has been pretty well established at this point. Well, I, I have a $15,000 life insurance policy. What's the equity? Uh, $500. <laughs> $500?! You've gotta be fucking kidding me! You're worth more dead than alive, Bailey! <laughs> I wouldn't loan you $8,000 if you put your right nut up as collateral! But I'll tell you what I am gonna do. As a stockholder of the building and loan, I'm gonna call the police and swear out a warrant for your arrest! <laughs> what? Why, you evil? Dialing the phone, George! Yeah, go ahead and run! But you can't hide in a little town like this, George! Because you're fucking garbage! <laughs> Another round, Nick. Uh, nine here, Bailey. I think you've had enough, yeah? I said another round. No, Giorgio. Nicky, he's all right. You drink it too much. You should go home to your bambinos. I said more whiskey. No, Giorgio. You drink it too much. This is not the George Bailey I know. Bailey? George Bailey? Yes, this is a George Bailey. The George Bailey who runs the building alone? That's me. That's for making me sit through an hour of backstory. Ach, du lieber, Herr Bailey. It's okay, Nick. I'm worth more dead than alive anyway, you know that? Worth more dead than alive. Good night, Nick. Herr Bailey, come and see back. And so George ran through the blinding snow, all the way to the Puppet River Bridge. Uh, excuse me, sir. Is this where I come in? What? Oh, yeah, get on down there. Finally. <clears throat> where was I? Uh, oh, yes. George stood on the bridge and looked down at the turbulent water 50 feet below. 
Worth more dead than alive, am I? Well, maybe it's true. Maybe it'd be best for all if I... Hey! Hey, young fella! What? Uh, it's those two old men again. Young man, you're not thinking of jumping off this bridge, are you? What if I am? You don't want to do that. You could die. Or even worse, he could live. Oh! <laughs> now hang on a minute. Just joking, son. Please, don't jump off the bridge. Yeah, use a gun. It's more reliable. Oh, <laughs> oh come on. Seriously, though, Algonquin, maybe we're being too hard on the kid. Shouldn't we be trying to save a life? I am. Whose? The audience's. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, can't you two just let me kill myself in peace? Fine with us. It'd be nice to see you finally succeed at something. Oh, <laughs> oh come on, Knickerbocker. Let's go heckle a comedian. <laughs> I heard Grace and Allen were in town. <laughs> oh, hope he does jump. <laughs> finally. All right, George. Y you have no choice. You have to do this. There he is, George Bailey, and he's about to jump. I, I must stop him. But how? What could I do that would distract this selfless, caring American from his own problems long enough to save his life? Ah, I have it. Excuse me, sir. Uh huh? Uh, what can I do for you? I think my taser must be broken. May I test it out on you? What are you- SON OF A BITCH! And now, a word from our sponsor. We will return shortly to It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life. Merry Christmas from all of us at IBS. Hey there, folks. Ding Frosby here. And when I need to unwind after a long day of crooning and cranking out hit after hit, regular old tobacco cigarettes just don't do it for me anymore. That's why I'm proud to tell you about Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes. Yes, Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes have a different kind of high. A mellow high to help you unwind no matter who you are or what you do. That's right, Ding. America's top football players, jazz musicians, and university students all prefer the smooth, rich taste of Chudsterfelds. Only Chudsterfeld is made from the finest marijuana leaves you can find in these United States. Grown, picked, and personally inspected to ensure you get a perfect puff and satisfying finish every time. And it's available in five fantastic varieties. Acapulco Gold, Bubba Koosh, Purple Urkel, Maui Waui, and Alaskan Thunderpuff. All of them as tasty as a sweet Valencia orange, ain't that right, Ding? You said it, Rob. It's a taste that can't be beat. Unlike my insolent kids. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say, Ding. So remember, when you need to relax and unwind, reach for Chudsterfell Jazz Cigarettes. They let out that bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. Not yet. How about now? Not yet. Tommy keeps poking me. Mm -hmm. 
Some say the glory days are over. No more making whoopee in Dame Town. No more blasting flight of the Valkyries while blowing two-foot holes in the city of Dresden. Even if all that made me a ten-time winner or person of the year, that's all behind you now. Now you've come home, settled down, put a baker's dozen of buns in the Eva Gardener's oven. It doesn't change the man I am. Even when the wife dictates you shuttle all 13 kids coast to coast to Razzley Land. My Fjord Baby Boomer features seating for 16, with a specially elongated torso to seal all their yaps behind a quarter inch of glass. Up here is where the king sits. Father of the year, here I come. Coming soon, another Krizunka Wonka Cinema Classic. See the harrowing tale of what happens when a puppet plays man who then plays God in Krizunka Wonkenstein. At long last, Igor, my experiment to animate this mindless brute we stitched together with scraps from the fabric store will be a success. No, 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 no. Now just hand me that perfectly normal brain specimen there. <coughs> Petrie, I, I mean Igor, spit that brain out this instant. We need it to bring my savage creation to life. Hey, Algonquin. It looks like this fellow here is planning to raise the dead! You know one thing he can't raise, Snickerbucker? What's that? Our viewership! Oh! <laughs> well, Igor, I suppose we'll have to proceed with bringing this dangerous monster to life without any brain at all. No, no, no. Pull the lever, Igor. No, no, no. And introducing the newest Krizonka Wonka, Feral Predator, as the monster. Predator. Oh, oh, it's alive! It's alive! Barrel Predator! Barrel Predator! Barrel Predator! Jeez, Knickerbocker! This creature sure is loud! And annoying! And rude! I love it! Igor, no! Don't eat the monster's tambourine! Oh, uh oh. Feral Predator? Feral Predator! Feral Predator! Oh, oh, Predator! Who will put a stop to this abomination against God? Are you talking about Krizunka Wolkenstein's monster? No, I'm talking about this movie! Oh! Coming soon to a radio near you. Don't miss. Krasonka Wunkenstein. And now we return to It's a Krasonka Wunkerful Life here on IBS. Oh, oh, what, what happened? Ah, good. You're awake? You. Uh, hey, you're the fellow that, that, that shocked me with that, the, that doohickey. What's the idea? I did it to help you. After all, it's my duty as an American. T to help me? You got a funny idea, help, mister. Well, you didn't go through with it, did you? G go through with what? Suicide. You were planning to jump from that bridge, George. Ah, what do you know about it? I know everything about you, George. I watched you grow up from a little child. 
in excruciating and protracted detail. Say, who are you, fella? I'm Jingo the Hawk, your guardian angel. Uh-huh. If you're my guardian angel, you, you wouldn't happen to have $8,000 on you, would you? Although it pains me that American capitalism is a purely terrestrial phenomenon, we don't use money in heaven. Figures. It comes in handy down here, I can tell you that. You, you know I'm worth more dead than alive. George, don't ever wish yourself dead. It's positively un-American. Uh, maybe you're right. I don't wish I was dead. I wish I'd never been born. You wish you'd never been born? Oh, that might work. All right, George. Poof. You were never born. What's that? I said you were never born. You got your wish. Sure. Oh, look, fella, I'm worried about you. I think the cold may have gotten you a little addled. How about I take you over to Martini's for a nice drink? Ah, yes. A good domestic beer. Sure thing, pal. Let's go. Well, here we are. Uh, don't worry, Martini's a good friend of mine. Let's go on in. Ficket, soldier. That's your pleasure. Nick? What in the world happened to this place? And why are you wearing leather pants? And why in the name of God are they crotchless? It's the style in here, mein Herr. In here, life is beautiful. The girls are beautiful. <laughs> the orchestra is beautiful. Look, Nick, where's Martini? I didn't moment, Peter. I will fetch him, ya. Yeah. Oh my god, the pants are assless too! Hmm, this place does not seem reflective of traditional American values. That's what I mean. This place should be Martini's Italian restaurant. Just a, just a little place, really, but but it, it's friendly and quiet and, and, and I don't know what the hell this is. Nick, you say you were looking for me, yes? M Martini! Uh, Martini, am I glad to see you! What's going on? I'm sorry. Do I know you, senor? It's me, George! George Bailey! Hmm. I don't know no Giorgio Bailey, senor. Oh well, what can you do? So you want to scopami? Metimelo no culo? Scopari? Vienimi in boca? Dear me! As an angel! I speak all Earth languages, and I can tell you that what he just said is filthy. Yeah, I sort of got that idea from everything around us! But Martini, what is going on? This is supposed to be a quite little Italian restaurant. Ah, see, see, that wasn't my first idea. But Nicky say, why not open the Tickle Club, see? Tickle Club? Is that what you're calling it? See, see. And the people, they like the Tickle Club. And now, instead of scraping the pots and pans and barely turning a profit, I'm a millionaire. I gotta get out of here. Arrivederci, senor. Come back if you want the forteri. Oh, 
okay, well, what the hell was that? Martinis is supposed to be a, a little restaurant with a nice quiet bar in the back. Ah, uh, yes, George, but you were never born. So instead, Mr. Martini started this depraved orgy house. Think how sad and empty he must be. Sad? He's a millionaire. Yes, well... This is ridiculous anyway. Has everybody gone crazy? I'm George Bailey. I've lived here all my life. No need to search your pockets, George. You have no papers, no driver's license, no life insurance policy, because you were never born. And yes, they're gone too. What? What you're searching your pocket for right now. Zuzu's petals. She doesn't exist, George, because you were never born. Look, I I don't know what's going on here, but I'm tired of this game. Let's just get back to town. There's the sign up ahead. Wait a minute. Welcome to Potterville. Uh, Potterville? Uh, This is Puppet Falls. Not anymore, George. You see, you were never born, and so there was no one to keep Potter's ambitions in check. Wait, what are those lights up ahead? Why, it's a casino! Yes, Potter built a giant casino here. He brought work to everyone in town and reinvigorated the economy. You you realize an ominous tone doesn't actually make that sound any better to me. Oh, well, I I bet the crime rate's through the roof with a riffraff this casino brings in. Um, actually, no. It's at an all-time low. Damn it! Well, Potter's using this casino to squeeze the town some way. You mark my words. Actually, Bosker Potter is a beloved philanthropist. He built the casino with his own money and then gave shares to every citizen of Potterville. Everyone in town makes at least a six-figure income from the profits alone. Wait, wait, that, that can't be right. Potter is a greedy, grasping old man who hates everybody and everything he can't control. No, it actually turns out he just had a problem with you. (gasps) Wow, this really isn't going well. You're joking. Sadly, no. Wait, look up the street. There Potter is now. Look, I I simply won't believe he's changed that much. Why, who's that on the corner? Why, it's my good friend Ron McAdams. Isn't my being here sort of screwing with the world building we've been doing? Just roll with it. Ron, my friend, you look cold. Here, have my coat. What? Is this cashmere? I couldn't. Tish posh, take it. And uh, here, have a thousand dollars. Wow, thanks, Mr. Potter. You're the best man in Pottersville. It's nothing, my friend. Just doing my part to make the world a a little brighter. Merry Christmas! Oh, this is a nightmare. Where's Mary? I want to see Mary. No, George, it would be too much. I want to see Mary. She's an old maid, George. She never married. Oh, no. Yes, Right about now, she's getting ready to leave work in this building. Uh, This is the bank. Um, yes, she, um, she owns it. 
She owns the bank? Yes, well, uh, So she's less a, an old maid than a wildly successful executive. Yes, but she never had your four beautiful children. Think how unfulfilled she must be. Oh, the kids are all disappointments. Even Mary admits that. Hell, Zuzu still refers to herself in the third person because she never figured out how pronouns work. There she is. Mary! Mary, darling! Excuse me? Mary, it's me, George! Do I know you? It's George! George Bailey! Mary, I'm your husband! Oh, Mary, you wouldn't believe how terrible... Ballsack! Wow, I haven't had to use my taser since before Potter built the casino. It's actually sort of refreshing. You see, George? You were never born. So all the lives you touched were never... Ugh. You know what? Even I can't save this one. Oh, come on! Something has to be worse because I wasn't around. Nope. I'm sorry to say this town is pretty uniformly better without you. Wait, I've got it! M my brother, Harry! I saved his life when I was 12. If I hadn't rescued him from drowning, he wouldn't have saved those 120 men during the war. Actually, he got out of the lake just fine without you. He what? As a matter of fact, in 1940, he developed a polio vaccine that saved millions of lives. But, 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 but those 120 men on the transport, if he was so busy developing vaccines, I bet he didn't save them. No, he still saved them too. He invented the vaccine in plenty of time to enlist. Mother! Yes, this is not the way I thought this thing would shake out. This is terrible. Jingo, Jingo, please get me back. Get me back to my wife and kids. I, I want to live again. Seriously? Because that's not the lesson I would take from this if I were you. Please, Jingo, please. I want to live again. I want to live. I want to live. Ugh, fine. I'm, I'm back on the bridge. Jingo? Jingo, are you there? George? That you? Bert? Bert, you know me! Of course I know you, George. Mary's been worried about you. I... My pockets! My pockets! Ha <laughs> ha! My driver's license! George Bailey says it right there! Uh-huh. Yeah, George. Zuzu's pedals! Zuzu's pedals! They're here, Bert! What do you know about that? Merry Christmas! What a weirdo. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Puppet Falls! Shut up! Merry Christmas, Movie House! Keep it down, asshole! Merry Christmas, you old lamppost! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, Original Sex Club that's not as nice as Martini's! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building and loan! Mary! Mary! Um, Mr. Bailey? 
Why, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. Merry Christmas. Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. Isn't it wonderful? Merry kids! George! Merry kids! And, and, and who are you? Um, George, I'd like you to meet Pablo. Hola. He's, well, he's my husband. Husband? I was only gone for two hours. Well, I just felt like I had to move on. What can I say? Unbelievable. Well, I suppose it doesn't matter. I'm headed to jail for malfeasance anyway. Not so fast. Uh, Martini, what are you doing here? And my God, the whole town's with you. Here, Giorgio, we take up a collection. Here you go, Mr. Bailey. Here you are. Here's some from me, George. Why? Why, this is more than enough to make up that $8,000. I don't know what to say. I've touched so many lives in a positive way that now the whole town is stepping up to help me. Are you shitting me? If the building alone goes under, we lose our houses. If it were up to me, you could take a flying fuck and a rolling donut. Yeah, me too. Same here. This is purely self-preservation. What the hell? I'll take it. Merry Christmas! Whatever. Daddy, Daddy, it's time for me to play my song. Go right ahead, Thorax. I can't wait. Christmas, everyone! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, George! Excuse me, George Bailey? Yes, Sheriff? I got a warrant here for your arrest! Oh no, Sheriff, it's all taken care of. The, the, the discrepancy is accounted for. The... No, I'm not here about the account, Shortfall. I'm arresting you for the murder of William Bailey. Oh yeah, I did shoot Uncle Billy, didn't I? Well, that's fair. She says what? What the hell are they teaching you at that school anyway? I'm not spending my tax dollars so your crackpot teacher can shove her religious fanaticism down your throat. We have a separation of church and state here. I pay taxes. I expect the teacher to stick to the goddamn books and the story of George Bailey, the richest man in Puppet Falls. Except for that potty guy. Yeah, except for him. And several other people. Yes, yes, there are several people in town wealthier than him. I'm, I'm talking about spiritual riches. He didn't have any of those either. Yeah, his whole life was pretty much a continuous kick to the nuts. But he helped so many. It was made perfectly clear that everyone he met was worse off for having known him. You know what? Just forget it. Fuck you both. I I'm out of here. Um, good night, folks. And, uh, Merry Christmas. God bless America.
Washington's wooden teeth? Ratso, did you hear that bell? It's official. I'm an angel now. I finally earned my wings. What the hell? It smarted quite a bit as they grew, hurt like the dickens, but they sprouted right out of my back. Man, oh man, it's just freaky. What? Is something amiss? You're a fucking bird. Now you have two pairs of wings. <gasps> I do? Yeah, what you gonna do about it? It's the end of the play, and you're a wacko. All these puppets are a bunch of wackos. Hey, did I hear a direct line from Midnight Cowboy? Are you trying to get us sued? We're already ripping off Disney. Who the hell cares about MGM? Odzo, your pack. I'm just here for my microwave burrito. It should be ready right about now. Lexington and Concord, that hurts. Jesus Christ, now he's got six wings. Sherman's march to the sea. I'm a freak. Eh, what do you want us to do about it? He's got a point. I guess we should just get on with the whole reading the end credits shtick. It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life is a cross stream between damn dirty geeks and the Revival League. It's a Krasunka Wonkerful Life is a parody based upon Frank Capra's movie It's a Wonderful Life. Screenplay by Francis Goodrich, Albert Hackett, and Frank Capra. This play was written by Ryan Smith. Oops, I bumped the wind chimes hanging here. Yeah, what bad placement. Old guts and glory. That's smart. Six, seven, eight wings. That's not pretty. This play was directed by Ryan Smith, Rob Maynard, and Greg Talley. Produced by Ryan Smith and Greg Talley. Starring Ryan Smith as George Bailey. Amber Oliver as Mary Hatch. Greg Talley as Jingo the Hawk. Rob Maynard as Odso the Odd-Nificent. Greg Sestero as Slappy the Bear and Uncle Billy. Ron McAdams as Glam Manatee and Mrs. Bailey. Ryan Smith as Ratso Rizzo. Rob Maynard as Bosker Potter. Greg Talley as Batty Flatermouse and Nick. Ben Haslar as Harry Bailey. Dina Dolphin as Ruth. Ian Morrison as Ian the Gecko, Thorax, Nebuchadnezzar, and Frank Jr. Greg Talley as Blover and Zuzu. Ron McAdams as Knickerbocker. Greg Talley as Algonquin. Ben Haslar as Rodney and Ernie. Ian Morrison as Brett and Bert. Oops, tripped over my bicycle there. Uh, by his terrible swift sword, I am in so very much pain. Ten Winks. That's highly disturbing. And featuring Rob Maynard as Rob Maynard, Ryan Smith as Ryan Smith, Greg Talley as Greg Talley, and special appearance by Ron McAdams as Ron McAdams. Additional commercial vocal performances provided by James Rowling, Quinn Keating, Dina Dolphin, Ben Hassler, Ron McAdams, Ian Morrison, Ryan Smith, and Greg Talley. Audio engineering by Ron McAdams. Edited by Ryan Smith. Promotional artwork by Daniel Vincent Bigelow. Now, who let that cow in here? Christmas attucks! My back is a Boston massacre! Yeah, you've got a baker's dozen going there. Thirteen wings? That doesn't even make any sense! As for our commercials... Bully and Child segments were written by Greg Talley and featured Ron McAdams. Music, they call it dancing, by Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. 
Fjord Motor Company segments were written by Ben Haslar and featured Ron, Ben, and Ian Morrison. Music, film noir, courtesy of Pond 5. Gumbel's department store segments were written by and featured Quinn Keating. Music, Santa and the Fairy Snow Queen, and Nutcracker Dance of the Marillitans, courtesy of the Prelinger Archives. Ooh, jingle bells. Very holiday spirited. Although technically that's multiple bells, so you're growing multiple pairs of wings now. John Philip Sousa's tuba. Uh, I've lost count. I think I'm going to be sick. The uh, Krizankawanka Cinema Classic segments were written by Rob Maynard and featured Rob, Greg, Ron, Ryan, and Dina Dolphin. Music, Middleton Family at the World's Fair, 1939, courtesy of the Prelinger Archives. Russell's Records, Pop Goes the Weasel, courtesy of the Internet Archive. Orchestral Adventure and the Old Sweet Shop, courtesy of Pond 5. Chudsterfield Jazz Cigarettes was written by Ian Morrison and featured Ian and Quinn. Music, Something for Nothing by Chevrolet Motor Company, 1940, courtesy of the Prelinger Archives. FDR's Hey, Mind If I Borrow That Policy was written by Ben Hasler and featured Ben and Ron. Music, Stumbling by Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. Oops, forgot to turn off my alarm clock. Now he's sprouting so many wings, he's kind of a weird tower of feathers. <laughs> Battle cry of freedom. I don't feel so good. Damnation Army was written by Greg Talley and featured James Rowling and Quinn Keating. Music, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night, Christians Awake, and Angels from the Realms of Glory from Voices of Christmas Past. Sprinky was written by Rob Maynard and featured Rob, Ryan, Greg, and Ron. 1944 Olympics Preview was written by and featured Ian Morrison. Music, Wheels of Progress, 1950, courtesy of the Prelinger Archives. Oh, come on! A foghorn? That's not even a bell! Yeah, well, that'll teach us to book a recording studio near the docks. Churchill brand Blitz Beer was written by Jason Griswold and featured Quinn Keating and Natalie Ryan. Music, Rule Britannia, is in the public domain and courtesy of Wikimedia Commons. The instrumental song, Canon and Variation, is performed by TwinMusicCom.org and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is performed by Audionautics and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Busy Beat is performed by Silent Partner. Now you're just punking me. The weight is crushing me. I can't stand up anymore. Well, where else am I supposed to park my old-timey Model T? One if by land, two if by sea. This is cutting off my blood flow. I can't feel my extremities anymore. I think I'll lie down now. Audio play text copyright 2018 by Ryan Smith. Production copyright 2018 by Jefferson Hospitality, LLLP. The Krizanka Wonkas were created by Craig Talley, Rob Maynard, and James Rowling. Recorded in the Roof Lizard Lounge at the Dino Hotel, the pride of Lakewood, Colorado. <coughs>
Wow, that one was just a cough. Did not see that coming. Please, kill me. Nice try, Jingo, but you're already dead. Morning in America. You've got to spend all of eternity like this, endlessly sprouting wings. Wow, it's times like this I'm glad I'm an atheist. Merry Christmas, everybody! And God is a delusion, everyone! Oscorn seven years ago! That hurts! Uh, Yankee Doodle Daddy! I, I can't take it much longer! Oh, oh, they can't theater box! Oh, that really suspicious!